when the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real We have a, another week under the belt, and this is an interesting one. Waking up, we don't know who the next president or if the current president of the U.S. is going to maintain office here as uh, we have a super, super tight race. But uh, let's put the politics out of the, <laughs> the conversation and get into uh, the topic today, which I, which I think is relevant because there's a lot going on right now, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, we don't feel good, which just happens often in our, in sales. We don't feel good. We still have to get up and uh, do our jobs. Right. Yeah. And that, that actually isn't just about sales. It's about every job, right? When you do, when you do work, people depend on you to get stuff done. As uh, Elon Musk said to Joe Rogan, let me put it. Let me put it clear for you fools. Without no stuff, there is no stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean, man? I mean, I, I know we both woke up a little foggy, a little gazy, looking at some data. That's the question. But when you think about production, why is it important? Why do we Why do we have to keep producing? Production fueled everything since time immemorial, before economies were created, before production systems were created before capitalism, before communism, before anything. Production's always been a unit of how humans measure and value themselves and progress as a society. Step changes. You know, that caveman, he produced something every time he clubbed an animal and brought it home to the cave. You know, that farmer, that first person to seed some wheat, they produce something to feed a community. Where we are as a society today, we need to produce stuff in order to fuel our consumption models. So production's everything. Um, it gives us meaning as a species, but more than that, it gives us the fuel to determine our own dreams, goals, hopes, and ambitions. That's why I love our industry and our craft, but sometimes you have bad days. Sometimes you have days where you get out of bed and you look around and you go, not feeling it today and you find an excuse or you blame something, you know, it could be an election. It could be an injustice. It could be something, but the people that win are the people that are in the race. It's the people that put that self stuff to one side and find a way to just keep producing. That's my personal feeling on it. Well, there's a, there's a lot of excuses here in 2020 to, uh, to put things aside, right? Uh, the corona, the unstable everything. <laughs> uh, and now they have the elections, all this stuff. But, um, you know, in, in the sales environment too, you know, industries are being disrupted. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this before around like, oh, it's not, it doesn't feel right to call somebody um, or, you know, ask for business 
because it just just feels weird right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it always comes back to trying to get down to the, like the fundamentals of what you do and why, why what you do is important. And in sales, when it comes to sales production, there's two reasons why it's important. One, you are the lifeblood of keeping your organization around and afloat, right? First and foremost, got to bring the revenue in, uh, without those dollars, lights won't stay on and you see funded, interesting business models out of Silicon Valley suffering without understanding that fundamental principle. (laughs) And, you know, companies that have said, Hey, we're going to shut down sales for a period of time. It's just not right. You know, they're reaping the, uh, seeing, seeing what happens when that happens. And then the other thing is, well, if you are building something that actually solves a problem or helps people like you, you, you know, you have to keep providing that. Right. So again, without stuff, there's no stuff. Like you, you mentioned the, the wheat, like if you don't get up and, you know, not just grow the wheat, but sell the wheat, you know, no one has the wheat. I mean, it yeah. says it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, my, my, my sort of parable at the moment is I'm getting some construction work done at the moment. I'm getting an outdoor office built for, for my house so that I can create a better environment day-to-day to work in. And, and, you got a little, and you got a little one coming. Yeah, exactly, right? But I'm pushing a deadline. My builders, they care about that deadline. That construction team, they care about that deadline. The weather here has been atrocious. You know, we've had like 12 days of murderous fall rain in the UK. They've been here 7 a.m. every day building that wall, trying to execute against my deadline because they understand the consequences of that. Modern selling, that seems to have gone away for a lot of businesses, especially startups and scale-ups. Selling doesn't seem to be the lifeblood of the economic model. It seems to be pricing and investment. And um, I've got massive issues with that because then it's easy to hire and find people that make excuses or that don't fit your worldview or that don't do when actually all anybody should care about is finding execution, people that can execute, people who are willing to be relentless and grind and do every day. And I think we're just in this weird vortex of entitlement and Mm. bullshit tactics that don't make sense that don't actually achieve goals and outcomes that we've got sales leaders are okay with misnumbers we've got boards that seem to be forgiving of that and this is a pre-2020 condition by the way it's just accelerated by 2020 and meritocracy seems to have gone out the window Everybody's always got an excuse for not hiring that right person. And it just, it winds me up, if I'm honest. And I think it comes down to just one real issue that seems to be inherent in in our professional society at the moment. And we don't really look for resilience in the same way that we used to. Resilience is key. Resilience is core to all of it. Yeah, you know, I think that the the challenge becomes in many cases, the, and we go back, back to some of the things you mentioned is the, uh, misalignment of, um, goals and expectations. And I know that might get hammered home and people don't get it, but there is a clear, um, there's a clear 
challenge with businesses and especially startups and scale-ups with a lack of of communication and uh, even even clear understanding of where they're trying to go. There's no direction. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can have alignment as to um, around the why. If if you're if we're all if we're all on the same path to, you know, if you want me to do, if you want me to pick up the phone and call this company and make these deals, et cetera, et cetera, what's the why behind it? Now mm-hmm. I get in general dollars, right? You want to make money, but there's like, there's all sorts of messed up pieces in the mix from a production perspective because there's no process and there's no, um, there's no clear defined goals. I mean, I can't tell you how many organizations I go to over the last five, six years since I've created this, the math of sales worksheet, which has evolved over time. Simple, simple numbers. They're really easy. Simple numbers. CEOs, CROs, CMOs. First question, what is your close rate? Uh, well, you know, it depends. And da, 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 da. Okay, on average, when you have an opportunity in the pipeline, what percent closes? Well, you know, it depends. No, no, no. Ten deals, one sale, ten deals, two sales, ten deals, no sales. What is the average? (laughs) Okay. Next. You know, so on and so forth. So there's four metrics. And then and then okay, now let's say what's your revenue target? And we're talking about and all the stuff that we work around is, is outbound, right? So, and this would be the new production goal that we all fight about. We're talking about production here, right? The thing that we want our sales reps to be doing, production, producing new deals. What is your revenue growth via, you know, an outbound channel, right? If you hired me or a group of team, you know, team of SDRs or whatever it might be, what's that number you expect them to drive via outbound activity? Well, I mean, the number is, I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, I don't know, 15 more, you know, 15 million, you know, I don't know. No. So it's 15 million. Well, no, that's what we already have. We already have 10 million. Okay. So 5 million. No. Well, I mean, some will be an inbound. You know, it's not clear, right? It's not very clear at all. Okay. Finally get to a number. Okay. Say it's two and a half million bucks. What is your average deal value, right? What if, if I have somebody has to go get that two and a half million dollars, What's the value of a customer? Well, it depends. I mean, it could be a thousand bucks. It could be ten thousand bucks a month. It could be, I mean, just. Mm. So you see how that's challenging if you're a producer to get yeah. clear numbers around where you're gonna go because a smart person, or let's let's not let's not call them smart. Let's say somebody, a professional salesperson, would say, okay, based on the average deal value and the amount of revenue I need, I now know how many people I need to get. And then based on the close rate, I know how many opportunities I need to have in my pipeline. Right. And then I go all the way up and I can say, okay, now I know that I probably need to go break into X amount of accounts in order to make this number work. But which accounts, where are we getting traction? Can, do we even have customers? Like, do we even have customers in that segment? You know, what, what's the competitive landscape? You see, this stuff starts to get very, very complicated. Um, and to your point, excuses start to rise. Yeah. You know, I think it comes out. It comes out all the time. I bitch about lists all the time. The list is your strategy. The list is your strategy. The list is your strategy. But at the end of the day, like, you can control that production by just saying, all right, well, if this is what I have, let's see what we can do. What's that? Make the best of it. I'm going to interview the market. 
I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to figure out what the angle becomes. You know, it's something you did really well this year. You know, was that that play, that play that we run now, which is a bit of us, a bit of outsourcing, solves every problem, right? Mainly because you weren't happy with your list. You had to figure out a way. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and good, good people have to figure out a way, right? Good people do figure out a way. They figure it out. They find a play that helps them, but they don't complain. They go out and think and they learn and they do and they iterate, they refine it, they, you know, they test it. They're scared. They're not scared to be fail on it. You know, I spoke to somebody yesterday, felt really sorry for the guy. He was telling me about a CEO who's scared of burning the market, you know, big account-based selling, you know, scared of approaching com companies in case, what if we burn one relationship with one person when there are 75 decision makers? Well, don't be scared of that. One person's not going to buy, right? So, so did you get definition on what burning means in that person's eyes? This is an important part. Because, I mean, I think about this today. I'm job in impressing them, I think was the exact definition. That's right. Okay, because today I'm going to load a list. I'm going to cold call CEOs at 8 a.m., right? That's what I will do. I'll do it live. Fuck it. Let's do it live. So what I'm going to do, my, my hypothesis is I probably might piss off a couple of those because they're like, oh, you know, do you know what's going on in the, like, the country today? Because it, this happened in COVID too, right? Well, but cities and states were getting shut down. You know, some people, when you called them, they're like, hey, the state's getting shut down. I don't want to talk right now. But is that burning a lead by saying, hey, I'm sorry, I'm doing, you know, sorry. I didn't realize that that was your perspective. I wouldn't have known unless I connected with you. I appreciate your perspective. Yeah. You know? Uh, I will go ahead and not bother you right now because I can clearly hear <laughs> that you're pretty frustrated with the fact that I called you. You're not going to remember that engagement versus maybe they're they're not trained well enough and they're going to go and go, well, while I have you, I know that best practices say that I need to overcome every objection. Can I challenge the fact that you're upset right now? Excuse me, sir. Do you think the economy is not going to get, you know, it's going to grind to a halt if I'm not making calls? Like, I could say those things if I'm an asshole, or I can just say, hey, no problem. Click next. <laughs> right? What's burning a lead? I don't get that. I hear that all the time. Is it, be, you know, you can't, I don't, I've never, I have never heard of burning a lead unless you completely have zero understanding of how you're interacting with someone when you get them on the phone. Yeah. And the, 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 the reality is 60% of the people you pick up are not interested or don't think they're interested. So six out of 10 times, you're probably going to get somebody who either hangs up on you or quickly says they're not interested. And a lot of times in a rude way, that is not burning a lead. That, that would have happened no matter what, if you called them. There's no other way to get to that information. At that moment in time, if you want to, engage that person that's what's going to happen so the alternative is what you wait and see if you can get them to subscribe to your spam ads your spam email your spam what it's spam across the board spam that's it's all spam that's it's all spam. It's all it's spam, all, right? Yeah. I mean, cold, cold calling regardless of how you want it it's still a spam call i mean it's like it was an unsolicited call i didn't ask you to call me you called me okay now yeah. 
you know, you're either going to have something of value with somebody who's willing to listen or you don't, period. And that is a 40-60 coin flip, right? The odds are not in your favor. You're playing, I don't know what, you know, you're playing roulette at that point or not roulette, maybe a, I don't know, fucking blackjack. Uh, you're playing blackjack at that point. Is that 42% or something? I don't know. Uh, you're playing blackjack at that point and, um, uh, you know, that that's, that's the game we play. But how do you burn that? You burn that in no other way besides being some sort of overly egotistical yeah. train and bullshit sales guru that thinks you can overcome objections, I guess. And that's the problem with the whole over-personalization and all this other stuff at the top of the funnel, in my opinion. And it kills production. To be honest, I just don't even bother challenging people anymore when I get them on the phone. If they say, listen, I'm okay. I'm like, okay, brilliant. I'm going to email you in the next 30 seconds or so just to see if I can help with any context that was missed in the conversation. And then I'll call you back in three months' time. I don't bother with that stuff anymore. I just that's, inter that's interesting. So um, just don't bother dealing with people who don't want to have the conversation. If I say something interesting and they want to have the conversation with me, I'm all ears. I'm all there for you. I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to be useful. I'm going to help you solve on something that you're clearly curious about. Anybody else? If they say sorry, I'm busy. I'm like cool. I'm calling you back next week. I don't even bother to try and fight it anymore. Or send me an email. Fine, I'll send you an email. See, I've had, I've had that perspective for a while. I've had that perspective for a very long time. Um, I mean, within reason, right? Some, someone's asked me about that oh, yeah. before. Like, 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 you have to be able to judge the conversation. Some, sometimes people, sometimes people want you to. They just want you to see how you'll respond. Like they're not, they don't get off the phone. They're like, Hey, yeah, I don't think we're interested. And they wait, how are you going to respond? Hey, no problem. You know, just out of curiosity, yeah. just out of, just out of curiosity while I have you, is this something, you know, the whole, is this yeah. something at all that you care about? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Oh, really? Well, tell me, tell me a little bit more, you know, what are you doing about this? And now you can get into a conversation and that, that little yeah. brush off is objective, you know, but if they're like, listen, dude, I told you I'm not interested. Okay. No problem. Right. Like you have to have situational awareness, uh, in the production. And that happens all the way through the sales process. I find myself in a lot of conversations where I feel like the person, and, and you hear people say this, and it's weird to me. They're like, Hey, you know, I, took, I, I showed up because I just want to be respectful of your time and, and show you my position, you know, just to let you know that, you know, we're, uh, we're probably going to go this way because it's like, you know, you don't have to be um, respectful of your position. I appreciate the fact that that's where you're at. And I don't know what you expect me to do, but I'm not going to go and do some Jedi mind trick, Jedi ninja. Like you either believe that this thing's going to help you because I, I'm bringing you along the way or... You don't. you don't, right? Or you don't, and and I think that there's so much goddamn ridiculousness, and we'll probably I'll probably get a lot of shit if for the people that do listen to this. There's so much ridiculousness in this like sales guru, sales methodology. Like, of course you have to ask good questions. Of course you have to identify pain. But if the pain doesn't fucking exist, which is the whole thing, right? Then there's not going to be a fit, and that's where most people fail. And when you're failing in sales, it gets really hard at the end. And people ghost you of all that other stuff. It's because you fucked up in the beginning. 
You didn't ask that right question. That's it. So yeah. stop trying to chase that person down who doesn't want to talk to you. And if yeah. they if they're upset, like take the fucking signal and move on. Go find another it's opportunity. Like cancer medication, right? If you haven't got cancer, you're not taking cancer medication. <laughs> and if you are taking cancer medication, well, guess what? You can choose three or four doctors. <clears throat> you better be the best doctor. Best doctors are going to give you the truth. It's a different vibe to the doctor that goes, yeah, how do you want to be treated, Ryan? So, you know, I don't know. I just think it comes back full circle, though, to people just not being willing to do the work. And they're looking for clever, easy, low lift, easy lift, make themselves look spectacularly good, fulfill their own ego answers to questions in selling today. And unless it was... Yeah, exactly. It's all excuses. Oh, my excuses email. for not. So what? Yeah. Excuses for not producing and then over amplifying production. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. It's not glamorous, man. Soviet. It's it's okay. It's okay to have a fucking low success rate if you're doing high activities. That's okay because I guarantee you that approach will produce more successfully over time than someone who's sitting there always trying to hack. I had a, a nice visualization of this. Um, who, was, who was I talking to? We're talking about, oh, science with a fi financial advisor. Love this guy's analysis of this. So I'm trying to finally get my shit together with uh, my world because I'm in my 30s now with two kids and, you know, supposed to do these things. So talking to a financial advisor, he's like, look, you can go ahead and get out, get back in, all these algorithms, blah, blah, all these people. But the reality is like, it's like driving down the highway. I don't know if you guys have this in Europe, probably do. It's people are people, right? Where you got those fucking assholes that are always going in and out of lanes. Like they're going in a fast lane, they're going in a slow lane. I don't know if you have that in, in, in your world, right? Like, so you got those guys that are just going all over the place, going going out, they're trying to make a position, trying to, trying to speed down the highway. But if you stay in your lane, just of course uh, a chapter in my book, right? You just stay in your lane and go. <laughs> Most of the time, you just fly right by that asshole, you know. Uh, at, you know, just by just sticking in your lane, you know, just it just goes right. The traffic flows if you stay in your goddamn lane. You don't need to be over optimizing and tweaking and tweaking and you know, it's like that type of stuff is what will like reduce produce failures more often than not yeah. if you're and i think I that know, i don't know if you um if you got it in the states but there's a motoring show called top gear um, oh yeah oh yeah really popular one of the guys said something really interesting he said in real life your ridiculous cars don't matter everybody <laughs> travels at the same speed under real world circumstances uh-huh you know, I couldn't care if you've got a Ferrari California or a Bentley GT. When you give your Skoda or your Lada or your 1952 Chevrolet that can barely function a two-minute head start, it will maintain that two-minute head start when you consider traffic, road conditions, all the variables. It should maintain that two-minute head start. So it doesn't matter what vehicle you're driving, you've just got to get in it and you've got to drive it and you've got to drive it at your own pace. There you go. And to me, that's kind of like the resilience question. Get in your own car, be confident, be in command of your emotions, control the little bits that you can control, 
and accept the challenge. And those are the four C's of resilience, right? If you do those four C's really well every day, you're going to be fine. You don't need to hack at anything because it's mindset then. It's mindset over process and then process over people, right? Process, baby. I like the mindset ahead of it because mindset is is number one, That's right? Yeah, I got to add that to the argument. I'm going to start tagging you in our little argument around process, people, and principles. Well, it's not really an argument. Mindset. Me. It's not an argument. It's the truth. Mindset, process, people. I love that. Well, let's land the plane there because that's huge. I mean, I think that gets me excited about getting back on the horse today. Yep. I know it's a rough day for some people. I needed that. I was having a bit of a, a bit of a hard to get out of the bed kind of mindset today myself. So I'm back. I've had a, as you know, I've had some. Uh, I've had a rough couple of, uh, maybe a month or two, just frustrations and all those things. But you also know that. I'll just keep hitting the phone and trying to produce and, you know, keep producing. We'll, man. we'll blow through the numbers and yeah. figure out what, uh, what's next. So Good we'll see, uh, see you next week, brother. And be All safe right, out there. Good run. I enjoyed that one. Speak to you later. Cheers. Bye.